everybody, this is Townsend. I'm a singer, songwriter, musician, and mental health advocate, and I started the You're Not Alone project and podcast to help educate, spread awareness, and simply help you feel a little less alone, no matter what you're going through. Thank you so much for tuning in to Season 2 of You're Not Alone with Townsend. Be sure to click the follow button and share these stories. You can also watch the interviews on our YouTube under Townsend T Music. You can also keep up with the journey if you follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Townsend T Music. Every like, follow, and share helps us continue to change lives. What is up, everybody? It is your host, Townsend. I am so excited. I say that every week, but I truly am so excited. I find these guests all over from, you know, people giving referrals to social media. But this guest and I go way back in the day. We go back to like, Lord, probably since we were born. I don't even know. But Daniel Frazier is joining me today. We're going to be chit-chatting about his cancer diagnosis. We're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about what it looked like, what got him through. Daniel, thanks for joining. I'm digging that stash you got right now. Isn't it kind of groovy? Like, (laughs) I don't have a whole lot going on in my world right now. And so I'm like, this is my summer break. And I'm starting to be like, Am I Russian aristocracy? Am I the czar right now? Does this look really good, actually? I want to personally thank you for taking the time to listen to these conversations. It truly means so much. We've changed so many lives for the better, and we want to continue doing so throughout 2023. This project is made possible by sponsors and patrons. So if you'd like to help keep the You're Not Alone project going and hearing these amazing stories we would love for you to join the family at patreon.com slash Townsend T Music. Just for signing up, you'll get free merch, discounts, and behind-the-scenes patron-only footage. Not only of my music, but of each episode. That's right, so each guest on every episode answers a few more questions that only patrons will be able to watch and listen to. So head on over to patreon.com slash Townsend Team Music, and let's continue changing lives. So I always ask when people hop on the podcast to describe a little bit about mm-hmm. themselves so that people that don't know who you are can get a little idea. So who the heck is Daniel Frazier? Where are you from? Just whatever you want to share with us. Who is Daniel Frazier? That is always the worst question because um, we're all complicated people, right? Um, so what, where am I going to go with this? Um, I'm 33. We do go way back, Townsend, and I love that you're um, you're really making a difference in a lot of people's lives with your music and with these podcasts. Um, but that said, we grew up in Pine Bluff together uh, since probably birth, and I have aged into this um, cancer survivor, so it's in a way become my identity. But yeah, let's see if I could work on saying um a few more times. <laughs> I'll keep I'll I'll try to see if I can do that. But yeah, we uh, we grew up together. I uh, work at the Cancer Institute at UAMS, the Winthrop P. Rockefeller Cancer Institute. So not only is this uh, um, a very meaningful place to for me to work, it's a cool place to be where um, nurses that helped me through a cancer journey a few, well, almost a decade ago, get to see the, the fruit of their looms. And I think that that's kind of cool. And then I also get to do something about the instances of cancer here in, in the state of Arkansas. I knew very early on, I wasn't scientific. I wasn't cut out to be a doctor. Um, but I do like to talk to people and sometimes that turns into fundraising gifts. And, and so it's very full circle for me. 
That is so cool. I think the job that you do right now fits your personality perfectly. You've always been super outgoing. You've always been easy to talk to. The first memory that pops in my head of Daniel is when like Friday night was like movie night and we all went to the movies and I literally remember you being like, hi, from across the mall and just talking to the everybody, mall, like hundreds pond. of people. Yeah. Well, yeah. And that's when there were hundreds of people at the Ponds Mall. That's yeah. a good, a good story. Yeah. Well, now I get to do it for a purpose. And, it, you know, the trick I've learned is to get me to shut up. That's, I wish I could, was better at that. <laughs> I think you do a fantastic job. I've actually been Thank honored. You. Literally, I would use the word honored to be able to work with Daniel on a couple of events that he has done for the Cancer Foundation. And they are fantastic. You do great. I'd love to spread awareness about that. We'll talk about your events later in uh, the okay. podcast, but yeah, they, it was such an honor to be able to do that and see that. And same with you, just kind of see you blossom into this awesome person and like spreading awareness and love. It's just so cool. So let's hop right in. What was okay. your, what was your official cancer diagnosis? What would you call it? Um, Hodgkin's disease. Now it's called Hodgkin's lymphoma. Uh, it goes back to the guy that originated, that originally discovered and named and started um, treatment for this. So Hodgkins uh, in England, Dr. Hodgkins. Um, and I am not a doctor like we just talked about, but historically, this is one of the most curable kinds of cancer because Dr. Hodgkins back in like 1832, I think, identified it and started making progresses, uh, progress towards um, a cure for it. So it it is kind of cool to be on the uh, the cancer spectrum, but it's always been a you're going to get through this. And in my weird sense of humor, the doctor always said, uh, you're going to have appointments, but they're going to be at the doctor's office rather than at the funeral home making arrangements. And I know that uh, I was very fortunate to, to get that news uh, as, as terrible as that journey was. Um, there was always a good prognosis from it. Wow. You know, I've heard that I have a lot of friends that work in the cancer uh, arena of things and they said mm -hmm. that Hodgkin's was very curable but just like anything else when you google it because I try to do a little research before every podcast it's like you're dying uh -huh. so don't google right. your body's trying to say something's not right uh and and there are unfortunately some I think it's like a 93 percent success rate give or take different subtypes give or take different conditions and everything and I pulled that stat from the cancer American Cancer Society uh, so there's some caveats to it, but overall, it's a it's a good answer to have. It's like you can have the T-shirt of the country club without paying all the dues to it or having the assessment. They go, you get a star, and you get to be like, listen, I'm a cancer survivor. I should be first in line. Yes, I've only done that a few times, but I do keep that card tucked right here in my wallet. That's once it. in a while, I'll that's, pull it I, out. Yeah, that's fun. I I am not mad about that. No, I was saying that if you look yeah. up if you look up WebMD. I have mm -hmm. been told oh, by friends first. it's curable, but the first thing it says is like, plan your funeral, you're dying, you know? <laughs> um, well, it, it did sound like, well, okay, let's go back to the phone call. Like the doctor says, hey, um, this scan didn't come back super well. What do you what do you need me to do now? And I'm like, he phrased it a lot better than that. But um, it was, I remember I was driving down Kavanaugh in Little Rock. I was dog sitting for some people and I was like, okay, I'm going to, pull over. This is my moment right now. And then things did get better because the doctor was super gratuitous and helped me get to the right doc. The, it was an allergist actually get me to the right oncologist and the oncologist took it from there and said, um, you know, we don't know for sure anything for certain, but statistically speaking, this one's going to be pretty good. 
it's going to, you're going to have to do some hard time. Uh, we're going to get you through it though. And that was very reassuring. Yeah. Yeah. We're, we're joking. Like it wasn't a very hard journey. Uh, we, we definitely know that. And we'll talk more about that. Also, I love that you were, you mm-hmm. the word gratuitous, um, gold star for Daniel. That was a great vocabulary word. Yes. Well, thank you. Uh, every once in a while I surprise myself, right? I love calling people out when they use great big words on the podcast. I'm like gold star. Okay. So let's explain what this looked like or what it consisted of. So when you went to the doctor, okay. what in the world was going on? What took you to that? Cause you said it was an allergist, right? Mm-hmm. So it's kind of the elevator speech on that. The story that I like to tell, uh, because it is kind of a cool story. I just graduated from college. I was working at a um, kind of a stepping stone job that ended up being a little bit more than that. Um, so doing that in the interim or in this course, I got allergy shots because I've been allergic to like springtime in Arkansas for as long as I can remember. I was like, if I'm going to be a functioning grown up, I've got to do something about that. And there's a way to, uh, to fix that immunotherapy shot, allergy shots, right? So I started to get in these little nodules and I was like, oh, okay, well, that's me being more physical, like doing some working out and stuff, or that's the allergy shot affecting your your immune system. Justifiable, right? We always want to make um, sense of things that are going on. We don't want to jump to the worst conclusion. And then it came a point, there came a point where I was like, you know, this knot here doesn't match the knot that's on that side. And there's ones going up my neck and I, they felt like kind of like if you could imagine a, a solid contact like lens, um, if it were filled in and it just had that same like kind of um, a putty or buttery kind of consistency, but you could tell that it was a shape too. So anyway, those are going up my neck and kind of in my, uh, up my chest area. And I was like, you know, okay, this is not, they're not symmetrical. What's happening here is not matching what's here. So that's weird to me. And it's weird, Townsend. In my gut, I was like, this is weird, but it's, you're 23, you got life by the horns. That's not the worst. Uh, we're going to go to the allergist for your six month checkup here in like two weeks. Don't call the PCP and just go check it out. And when you're there, have him take a look and he will reassure you that it's the allergy shots doing their job. So I had the allergy appointment. And I was literally like walking out of the, the little exam room and I was like, oh, Dr. Sides, by the way, um, I've got to ask you about this because I was going to ask my next doctor appointment and guess what, it's you. His eyes got kind of big, but he, we talked about it a second ago. He never lost his cool and he never lost his composure, but he was like, sit tight. I'm going to be right back. And I think he went and he might have looked into his book of whatever, like WebMD, like you were talking about, but he... He came back and he said, I don't do this. I'm an allergist. I don't do this, but you don't have time to go to the PCP for a referral. We're going to call in your CAT scan right now because something's up and let's figure out what it is. And then he called back with the results of the CAT scan. Took great care of me um, doing that part. Called back with the results of the CAT scan. And I'll never forget, unless I keep drinking Diet Cokes and my memory goes, he said, now I need your help you need to ask friends and families because this is an oncology referral and that's the words you don't want to hear. Right. But he said, if I call in, a, uh, if I make the referral without your friends and family um, input, then I'm just opening the phone book. And I thought, what a cool, like down to earth way of him. I'm sure he's got friends in the, in the community and stuff. But anyway, um, my boss at the time set me up with the, the doctor that treated his mom. And so that was a very um, affectionate way of him, like, here's how I can help. 
And so I went and started treatment with that. But it all started with this nodule here and then it just not reciprocating and not matching what was happening on the other side. Uh, and then um, the rest is history. Or the rest might be your question number three. I'm not sure. <laughs> well, yeah, that's just crazy. I'm not going to lie. I'm the exact same way. If I get bumps or weird things, I'm like, eh, it'll go away on its own. I'm, I'm mm -hmm. real bad you, about that. You know, my brother Sanders, he had a broken arm for like nine days and we were just like, it's fine. It'll be it. <laughs> and then it turns out it was actually broken and it had to be set. But um, that's just our way of thinking. Like it, the human body is very resilient and it will do its thing, just get through it. And, you know, the allergy shots were just more, more justifiable means to it at that point. Yeah. But it was something. It wasn't not nothing. It, it was something. Nothing. It was something working in there. Yeah. It was something. Well, it yeah. Sanders, get it. Rub some dirt in it. Your arm will be fine. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Get back out on the field. <laughs> You're playing third. Get it. Do it. Do it. That's just mm -hmm. Arkansas. That's Arkansas for you. Mm -hmm. We're serious about yeah. our sports. So going back to that, you, you beeped mm -hmm. out a little bit. Now, you told me before that you had stage four, right? That's right. Yeah. Now, there stage are four, four so stages. Mm -hmm. it's the worst of the best uh back to the whole your prognosis is is good you're going to do some hard time um but in the grand scheme of things we have a really good outlook and that's statistics your current health and i was a bucking 23 year old at the time and, and everything was good yeah but stage so four and that's just as a, a classification uh, again i'm not a doctor but it it just tells it tells us um where in the body this cancer has manifested it starts in your lymph nodes and can spread to different organs and it's just technically i believe um stage four just means it's progressed progressed past the diaphragm so it's entered beyond the cavity the chest cavity okay um, so like liver and um, things like that right and, it, and lymphoma is a blood cancer so it's i'm not gonna I'm not a doctor, so this is hard for me to, to even speculate, but it starts, bad cells start in your lymph nodes, which are spread out anyway, and then it starts to circulate in your bloodstream, and so when it goes stage one, two, to three, to four, it's just a different organs that it's um, affected. It's a blood cancer. It runs through your body, but at the same time, it concentrates in the lymph nodes. Just didn't know it was, you know, I had some padding, so you can tell beyond your lymph node that it was four. But they come back and they, you know, the scans revealed that. Yeah. Did you have any idea what the heck Hodgkins was? Oh, no. Absolutely no idea. Um, you know, we, so Hodgkins is a, is lymphoma, lymph sickness, and then there's leukemia and there's myeloma. Those are all blood cancers. Um, so I learned real fast, you know, we hear the word leukemia a lot, uh, myeloma, not so much, but uh, I would say lymphoma fell into that category. I had no idea what it was. Yeah, uh, I feel like that's quick. not the one. Yeah, that's not the one you hear. You usually mm -hmm. hear leukemia and you're just like, oh no. But even when you, when mm -hmm. we were texting back and forth, you were like Hodgkins. I was like, I've heard that. And I heard the exact same thing mm -hmm. he told you. I know it's curable, but what else? I, that's about all I knew about it. So it was, it was interesting to read up on it. Was there a family history of cancer that maybe could have? No. Um, so this is a, another we do things real big, right? So the same day that I got sick, my grandmother had a, a bad scan um, and she had found out, or she found out she had breast cancer. No history whatsoever to speak of. Um, so we kind of went through this together. Now her prognosis was, you're going to take a, I think it's a chemo pill. Um, 
we kind of doubled down on what I had to get through. Hers was much, much better uh, from the get go. But your question, no, there was no history of cancer that we knew of in the family, but we, we had a double whammy on, on one day back in 2013. Wow. I had and no I'm idea. happy to, well, yeah, because, um, it was so non-invasive. Like it was just kind of, she did have some operations and stuff, but her, her, um, treatment regimen was really, it, it paled in comparison. So that's kind of a guilt trip, but I'm happy to report that this is, 10, that was 10 years ago, and she is still kicking. She's 87, saw her this weekend, and she's doing great. I love that so much. I love it. So what did mm-hmm. what did treatment look like for you? My boss at the time gave me that referral to his um, friend and colleague and then um, his mother's doctor, and he did some rounds of chemo. And honestly, in the it was kind of like COVID. We didn't know how long we were going to be coming, how long there's a finite set of time, but we don't know what that end mark is. So we did a summer of what it's an ABVD regimen. Not all chemo is the same. There's different nuances to it, different drugs to treat, to target different drugs. We did the classical textbook ABVD regimen and it wasn't fun. I wouldn't recommend it to a lot of people, but it, my hair didn't fall out. It thinned, um, but it didn't fall out. And I'd have, it honestly, it was like a bad hangover uh, for a few days, but with no party on the front end. Um, and then you could almost time it, like, I'm going to feel bad if I get treatment, if I get the drip on Tuesday. Wednesday will be kind of a weird day, a, a foggy day, but it's going to be okay. Uh, Thursday, go ahead and plan to minimize interactions, you know, and that practically was like stay in bed, minimize interactions. What am I talking about? Stay in bed cover your face, um, be close to a, a bucket or the bathroom at all times. And then um, by really it was down kind of to the hour. By about two o'clock on Saturday, you'll be fine. And I know that affects different people differently, but that was it was nice to get into kind of a routine. And again, going back to, we know that we have the science. We feel confident in the science to fix this. Um, let's get through these hard months. And it was maybe four months of that and you're going to bounce back uh, and you can plan your schedule accordingly. So that was kind of nice. So we did that four months and things were looking good, but then um, just to make sure that everything was right, we did a month of radiation. And I'll remember that was October, 2013, pretty much from the first until Halloween. And I'll be honest and I feel comfortable saying it now. I liked radiation. It was, it was, um, like, you know, when you're taking a trip home and you're in the backseat of your car and you're just super tired and that hum of the of the engine running and it's just very, like, nurturing and comfortable. And I'm thinking back when I was a little kid, that's how radiation was to me. You would get comfortable. I could, I'd go in late for work. Now, don't get me lying. Every once in a while, I'd be like, I really want 15 more minutes not at the office today. So they'll get you situated. And then I would go, achoo. And then they'd have to recalibrate and everything. So I got 15 more minutes of break. But that was uh, the month of October, 2013. Um, and then I'm going to paraphrase. We had a checkup in December. I had a checkup in December. And Dr. Beck at the time said, um, I, paraphrasing, I stopped it, but I didn't fix it. And if you go to UAMS, I feel comfortable that they can fix it. Like we, let's, we've done a lot. We did good, but yours is a little bit more um, resilient to this treatment. 
and right here in Arkansas, down the street, as a matter of fact, we can um, take the next step and do a little bit more intense thing. So that was a stem cell transplant, and I didn't know what that meant. We were talking about not knowing what things meant. I was like, wait a second. At Jefferson Regional, they saved a piece of my belly button when I was born in 89, and they're going to turn that into something that's going to fix me. No, that's not quite what it is. Um, I don't, I just heard stem cell. Like I just read the Da Vinci Code or some Dan Brown book and it was like stem cells and science and stuff in your belly, your umbilical cord. That's not what happened. Um, I was an autologous, auto autologous stem cell donor. They harvested stem cells from me. When they do that, it's a, pro- a process called apheresis and it smells like cream corn. You ever go through it? They were like, you're going to smell cream corn. And I was like, no, you're not. Or no, I'm not. And it did. I like a good can of Del Monte. And then they take your stuff, they spin it, they spin it down, and they start, put certain stuff back into you. They take the stem cells that they need just from a like a blood, like a, a blood draw. It's kind of cool. Then they harvest that, put it on hold, and then they knock your body down with chemo to like just enough to keep you going. It's like restarting your computer, closing all your windows down, and then while the computer's off, while your body's off, they introduce the healthy stem cells that come from you, which still boggles my mind. They're healthy cells that are in your body full of unhealthy cells. Uh, and then they, they've knocked you down to then like your body has restarted and the pro the, the work at that point that has to be done by the doctors, nurses and APRNs um, is to get your immune system back up and going. So they would, would come in daily is all outpatient, but we'd come in daily for numbers and they'd say, Oh, your potassium is low today. That's normal. We'll give you a potassium pill. Oh, you're dehydrated today. So we'll do an extra saline drip to make sure that you're getting the fluids that you need so that you, your body, um, we're supporting all your functions that have just come back down to zero um, to get you back up and going. It's really cool. It sucked. I would not recommend it, but it's really cool to see the process and, and I bought out a lot of it, I think, because it was, you know, the sore throat and the I managed to get C. diff and E. coli in the middle of that because your immune system is just not working. Um, so there, I don't remember the day, day by day, but I do remember this is cool stuff that's happening. And then we can zoom out on Google Maps and be like, oh, this is happening right here in Little Rock in Arkansas in the United States. Like it's it's remarkable. There were people from. Germany and from England all over the world that were in the clinic with me. And so you're like, oh, this is 40 minutes from the place where I grew up. That doesn't just happen to anybody. Okay. So I feel like I'm a pretty educated person. I talked to a lot of really smart people and I had no idea that that's how that worked. That's really cool. Yeah. That's the, that's the way that I understood that whole process to work. They spin it out of you and then they put it back into you when you're jump started. Yeah, that is too cool. Yeah, Mm -hmm. yeah. I love that. Absolutely. I think that was summarized perfectly. Absolutely. So looking back, what I was going to say earlier, you know, you were at the hospital and you thought, okay, chemo, a little bit of radiation will be good. When they said, Mm -hmm. we're going to send you to UAMS and do a little bit more, was your mind like, no more? Or were you like, okay, cool? Um, Okay, cool. Because that first round of things were got to be so routine, literally like the hangover. Like if I go in Tuesday, I got to block off Thursday, Friday, and then Saturday I'll start to see, see the light at the end of the tunnel. 
the stem cell transplant was a little bit more invasive. I still could live a normal life. I want to say February, we did a really intense round of chemo that was akin to the first one with the let's block it. You know, we don't know how we're going to react, but take a few days easy after that, just in case. And didn't feel great. No. Um, and then I think we did another one in, of that regimen in April. And that was BEAM, B-E-A-M. And then, so the stem cell process, like the actual D-Day, they count they, your day negative five and they're giving you these really intense chemo. So we've had ABVD lightweight for me and then BEAM, February and April, and then May was the ice, and that was not good. That was day negative five, negative four, down to negative one, and then day zero is where they reintroduced the the healthy cells that they've harvested for me. Or if you're a um, external donor, then uh, they would reintroduce someone's cells back to you. And then you count, start counting forward day one, two, three. And those really were the days that I remember being the roughest because that's where your gut's not working. Your throat is scratchy because you don't have a immune system. Um, I broke out with, you know, pimples all over because whatever keeps your acne regulated, I guess, um, is gone. It's reset. Kind of cool. Wow. That is wild. So think about okay. that the next time you restart your computer and how that works on a person. Yeah. That is amazing that we have that right here in Arkansas. Too cool. So mm-hmm. what would you, mm-hmm. looking back, what would you say the hardest part was for you mentally? So not just the, I'm you know, glad, thick. honestly, I'm, I really like that you asked that question. Um, I talked about the radiation and that physically was not too bad. It was comfortable. like taking a, a road trip. In a, in a weird convoluted way. Um, however, it made me super tired. I didn't realize, and it's like a residual tired. And at that point, I, looking back, even though I was on like a Lexapro, I think at that time, I was in a dark place. It was a lot of stuff going on. But I remember just things, my friend Jared that uh, played in a band was having like a reunion show. And I was just too mentally tired, physically tired and depressed. I mean, let's call it what it is. And um, I didn't know that that's what depression was. And um, luckily, you know, that was in the depths of winter too, right? So we went from October, we're having this residual fatigue and, and that has always affected me. So I, um, I didn't know what it was at that point and I'm rambling now, but I wish that I had taken more self-care in that, uh, that arena. Um, the mental component, like this is a lot happening to to you. And you really thought you were going to get out of college and start your career. And all your plans are diverted at this point. Um, that was at the moment, it was survival. Looking back, I wish that I had been more prophylactic on that and done more and known that there were more um, opportunities to get support, to get help, not, not help. That's the wrong word to get support um, from other individuals and i think that social media and and technology has kind of helped bridge that gap i don't know if it would look exactly the same in 2023 as it did in 2013 just with the the social media and the communities are smaller now yeah absolutely gosh i can't imagine that was so much going on and so young and you know 10 years Mm -hmm. ago wasn't that long ago but it was i feel like mental health's come Uh, a really long way Mental health and then just, you know, I said it and I liked how I said it. Sorry, communities are closer. So like 
there's not a huge population of lymphoma, of 23 year old lymphoma people in Arkansas. I was surrounded in the clinic, just in this building, actually, with people from Germany and people from England and all over the state and region. But they're all like 70, 80 years old. I don't think all of them, but it'd have been nice to have known there were other guys at 23 that are going through the same thing, whether they're in New York City or if they're in L.A. Uh, you know, that's technology has improved. And I think that um, like what you're saying, mental health resources have improved. And um, so that's really cool. Would it look the same now in that component, in that aspect? I don't think so. Yeah. It'd be much better. Yeah. What a cool, I love that you can think back and say, you know what, maybe it was survival, but looking back, I needed mm-hmm. help. That's a cool way. That's a cool way to put it. Cause I think a lot of people in that deep, dark time, you're almost on autopilot, but looking back, you're that's like, exact, oh, yeah. I should have gotten help at that point. Mm-hmm. And again, I wasn't going to do anything rash. Uh, it was never that kind of depression. It was just like a, all this is going on, and it, I'm really supposed to be here. And then we kind of, we rounded the corner, uh, came back, and it's like, this is going to sound really altruistic, but it's like, yeah, we rounded that corner. Or I rounded that corner. I don't know why I keep saying we because it was a group effort. Um, but I, we rounded that corner, and now I can do something about it. I can get on the podcast with Townsend or I can help raise money and I can help show up at an event and, um, and show up in the infusion clinic downstairs and talk to nurses that helped me through that. That is so cool. cool. So cool. I love it. What Mm -hmm. a full circle. Absolutely. So what are you Mm -hmm. looking, looking back other than, and it could be this answer could be the same answer. Looking back, what's something you wish you knew beforehand? I would say I don't even know that it would be beforehand because you're never going to be prepared to get that call or that diagnosis. Um, as we age, yeah, it's more likely that you're going to, you know, at 23, it's very jarring. It's never the cards you're going to expect to be dealt. Um, so knowing that there are, that you're not just one of one person that's going through this, you're not alone. Oh, and that's the name of the podcast, right? Well, Look, what's a that for circle? Lo- I, I told him to say the- that. No, she didn't, but um, you aren't alone and there is a network. And just because you're one 23-year-old male in Arkansas doesn't mean that there's not a 22-year-old male in Memphis or um, a female in Jonesboro or something going through this and that they're trying to start their career and here they are in the infusion chairs. Something like that uh, would be nice to know. And, And I think, yes, it's kind of the same answer. The resources are so much more visible now. Um, than they were 10 years ago. Yeah. Pretty cool. I love that. Absolutely. And not to be cheesy, that's the reason we do the, this podcast so that people like you can come on here, we can chit chat. And this podcast is listened to literally all over the world. So somebody could be listening mm-hmm. and be like, holy moly, I'm not alone. Somebody else had that. Or I know mm-hmm. a cousin that has that. Let me send him that podcast. So it's really cool to watch everybody. The world's not so big. And we're finding that out. It's not. It's scary. Yeah. Well, and I, I always wondered why it's called You Are Not Alone. And I figured that um, there's a reason for it. But you've helped me to realize something today. So hats off to you for Thanks. for doing this. I knew it was a good thing. But now I'm like, oh, it applies to me, too. Yeah. I'm oh, not my alone. gosh. Wow. That's me. Yes. You're on to something here. Daniel. Yes. That's why it's called that. So that every person knows that they're not alone. It doesn't matter if. You know, you tripped and broke your arm like your brother. Somebody else in the world has broken their arm. Everybody's had a tough day sometime. But yeah, that that's why we do mm-hmm. this podcast. So there's your realization for today. I love it. I love that that just Thank clicked. You. 
<laughs> it did. And it I mean, I might have to go, I might need a tissue somewhere um, because my eyes might be a little misty, but right. yeah, now Isn't it makes cool? sense what you're doing. Thank you. Isn't that cool? Yeah. I love it. it I is. love that you just had that. Absolutely. Okay. Mm-hmm. So we are only 30 something. I'm not going to add the last number on there. We're in our thirties and I've already had a oh, hand. Yeah. Yeah, a handful of friends go through cancer. And I know for Mm -hmm. me, I want to do something. I want to help. And I never know the right things to say. I never know the right things to do. So being someone Mm -hmm. that's gone through that as a friend or a family member, what do you wish people knew about cancer? And what do you wish, what's something we can do to actually be helpful? I I really like that you asked this question um, when I was looking over them. I, I think to me, the most, there's two things. Um, and I'll use two examples here. But the the takeaway can be more broad than an example. I remember my aunt um, had pretty long hair at the time. You've met Claire from the church. Uh, she doesn't live here, but I'm sure you've seen her Christmas and stuff, right? Um, she got her hair cut and she donated, like she did locks of love and she didn't go bald. I don't know if anyone did that for me. I, did, I didn't want them to. But she um, she was able to not be scout, uh, but she was able to give back to somebody. We had all we needed, and there's you know I had to do the time in the infusion chair, but her selflessness was really cool, um, and it helped someone that maybe that needed the wig or whatever. I wasn't gonna rock a wig because I don't have enough hair to start with. I was already thin at that point, but um, that was really cool. So an act of um, solidarity was pretty. Is is the most you can do um, because you can't take the chemo. That's that's my job. Um, your job is to to send your support um, secondarily, tertiarily, and I think that that was uh, very impactful for me. But not just me, because I had what I needed. I had the support group, and I had friends praying and um, you know bringing supper by the house and stuff for someone that could eat it. One for me because I was losing my lunch uh but that helped the next person that may not have had that needed the wig to feel beautiful or to feel the confidence that they needed um so that's one example but i know there's a thousand wherever there was that one that my aunt did there's a thousand of people that did something nice on my behalf uh, but it didn't make me feel guilty either because she went bald i didn't want her to be bald she's not like Brittany in 2007 that wasn't her mo right so a second way that you can show support, and um, this is going to sound really cheesy because I'm in fundraising now, but uh, maybe that act of kindness is not um, a haircut. Maybe it's a donation or it doesn't even have to be money. I love pointing out that you can give your time. That's the most valuable resource that you have. Uh, and it doesn't have to be passing out candy in the Cancer Institute to caregivers. It could be donating at any of those uh, donating time or effort or energy or money to um, other groups like the Cancer American Cancer Society or Leukemia and Lymphoma Society, or uh, there's one that's really close to my heart called Home for Healing that's here in Little Rock. Uh, but finding a place to plug in and giving it some, giving it a little thought, like not just writing a check, but where should this check go so that it's going to make the most money, or not just giving up a Saturday morning, but where will this Saturday morning, my time there yield the most for somebody? Where can I be the most uh, impactful? Uh, maybe it's someone that's a little, that doesn't have the resources to get to Little Rock for their treatment. Maybe I can give them a ride on a Tuesday morning. That'd be a cool way to, to give back. 
Um, and it's not always, let me go sit with the family and, um, you know, be at home with you. That helps, but there's some time, you know, I needed my time. I didn't need visitors or anything like that, but your, your selfless act, whether it got back to me or not, um, I think was the most meaningful way to help and still is. And then what do I wish that others had known about cancer? The coolest part is just learning as you go. Um, it's not like we're going to rest. We're not going to study to pass a cancer test before we have to. But um, once we get the call or once we hear the news that a loved one has that, then you can kind of dive in on what will help that person the most or what can, what do I need to know about it? Cause there's so many ways that uh, so many different ways that cancer can manifest and there's different side effects with all of it. So maybe not be preemptive on it, be willing to say, okay, pinpoint, here's what we've got. Here's, here's what I need to do or what, how I can help that person. Yeah. Does that make sense? Is that tied absolutely. all together? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Like I remember, uh, Casey Joe, she's been on the podcast for, mm-hmm. and I remember mm-hmm. being like, what do I do? What do I do? I mean, I had no idea. Mm-hmm. So I would send food and I would try to check in and you're just at a loss, especially when it's someone you love, you like lose all, you're like, I, I know nothing anymore. Like I just, but yeah, I think absolutely. Mm-hmm. I think that is so cool. I love that your aunt did that. Wow. How amazing. That was cool. And I had kind of forgotten about it because your mind is designed to block stuff out whenever there's trauma going on. Um, and I saw her Sunday and it came up casually in a convo. And I remembered, but I needed that to jog. And I'm glad, you know how things happen very um, serendipitously. Yeah. She told me that we talked about it a little Tuesday or Sunday. And here it is um, a Tuesday that we're recording this. So it's fresh on the mind. And that was um, when I was thinking about a response to that those acts of selflessness are really, they, they go the long, the long run. I love that so much. I love it. Absolutely. Okay. So you kind of said this earlier, but you're super involved with cancer research and events and just the whole thing there. Tell us about how people can get more involved with these events that you have or cancer in general. How can we help out? So I did allude to it. Um, this is not a selfless promotion, but I work at the cancer and Winthrop Rockefeller Cancer Institute at UAMS. Um, there's a lot of ways to plug in here, but aside from that, it's kind of those grassroots places. Um, and I mentioned Home for Healing, like that's a, a lodging place, and this is not a plug for them. Uh, but there are people that don't have the resources to stay in Little Rock close to treatment or uh, when they need to be four and a half minutes from a bathroom at all times. They just can't do that if they're from El Dorado. Uh, it doesn't, they don't, they can't stay at a hotel, and a hotel is not home, right? So I think that finding those kind of places, doing a little digging in your community uh, is a great way to plug in. But here at the Cancer Institute, we do have several ways to give back. And you alluded to it earlier, the, the walk, the Be a Part of the Cure walk that you played at so graciously uh, the past two years. But yeah, that comes up in May and it's always the first Saturday in May. So it'll be May the 4th for our Star Wars fans, 2024. Um, we have Gala for Life. That's a real nice black tie event. And that's actually coming up in about eight weeks. And you don't have to stick to either of those schedules. If you just want to plug in and you have time uh, between 3 and 4 p.m. on a Tuesday, there's a place for you to plug in here. Uh, And that might, I don't know what it would look like. We have some folks that could find that niche, that need for you um, so that your time is well spent. But so many ways to get back. 
I love that so much. Yeah, I kind of touched on this earlier as well, but those events, the walk in particular that I play at, it's at the crack of dawn. Mm -hmm. It's like two hours (laughs) away. And I was like, oh my goodness. But for my friend, Daniel, I'll do it. And I literally, I showed up, Daniel, and it was one of the coolest experiences I've ever had because, you know, you're out here, like I said, human nature. I wake up, I'm like, I'm so tired. Who signed me up for this? And then I got mm-hmm. drive to Little Rock, which I don't live close to, but the people there, it was so worth it. Like it was one of the coolest experiences. People were screaming and cheering and you see people going through cancer treatments as they walk by and like, mm-hmm. not going to mm-hmm. lie. I may or may not have cried this year. Cause it's just, you see people that have gone through and they're on the other end. You see people that are going through treatment right now. saw children walk by that were going through treatment. It just People Mm -hmm. loved it. I was getting hugs and cheered. So it was like they were there for me more so. It was just so Mm -hmm. cool. I I definitely recommend everybody listening, donate some of your time. Go and spend, put some eyeballs on Mm -hmm. it because it's one of those topics that I feel like you know about, but you don't really till you lay some eyeballs on it. Mm -hmm. And we don't want to look at ugly stuff. We don't want to address it until it happens to us. And um, but then there's so many ways that you can be a, a force for change once you're compelled to be that force for change. Maybe you are more preemptive. I don't know, but I know I wasn't until I got sucked into it. And now I'm like, oh, yeah, this is it can happen to anyone. And statistically, it happens. It's going to touch us at some point. Hopefully it's a it's a case like mine where it's good. But I know that that isn't always the case. Let's be prepared to listen. And this is really cheesy. At the right time, whenever I've had a bad day, uh, I'm going to hop in the elevator with somebody who is like you see on the, the course out there. And you're like, this is why I got out of bed this morning. Uh, and it might not hit me right then. I may still want to go home and throw a tantrum and use some swear words in the car uh, with the traffic or whatever. And that's okay. But it is so rewarding when you get set up on a Saturday morning in May out there on the golf course at War Memorial, or you, um, you know, pull uh, a few extra hours just to make sure a project gets done on time for work um, because of that patience. And, and that's, uh, that's a full circle moment each and every time it happens. And isn't it crazy how it always happens when you need it the most? Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's not lost on me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love that so much. Daniel, it has been the coolest thing just watching your, you not only mature but watching you kind of find your way and your passion and really shining a light on all these people and all these projects so we are so thankful for you and man thank you for taking time to hop on this podcast with us and just kind of share some awareness i know somewhere someone somewhere is going to relate to this for sure yeah like we talked about a second ago i it dawned on me like why townsend does this and why she calls it this i am so proud daniel thank you so much for joining us again i've already said that but it has been such pleasure been so cool to have you on and i'm just so excited to see what all the future holds for you thank you and i am excited to hear um or see how you continue to blossom and grow towards the sky oh stop it i'm a little sunflower thank you so much i appreciate it Uh to every to everybody listening if you want to hear the rest of this interview be sure to go to patreon.com slash townsend team music i'm going to keep chit-chatting with daniel about more personal questions if not we will see you next week if you'd like to hear the rest of this interview visit patreon.com slash townsend team music and don't forget, you can also watch the interviews on our YouTube channel at Townsend Team Music YouTube.
Okay guys, if you're in the market to buy or sell, I have the perfect company for you. Clark & Co Realty is located in the Benton Bryant, Arkansas area, but they're able to serve you no matter where you're located in the state. They've streamlined the process of buying or selling a home to make it so much easier. They have a team of industry experts that make sure you have access from anything you can think of. I'm talking from local home inspectors to painters to gardeners and so much more just to provide you with the best service possible. They're dedicated to providing the most up-to-date market data in the area. And I think the coolest part is if you go on their website, you can use their easy-to-use fast property search. You can even create a custom market report to see what's active, under contract, and sold in your neighborhood. Their team is made up of caring, knowledgeable professionals that work around the clock to help you with the process of buying and selling your home. So again, if you're in the market to buy or sell, Clark & Co Realty is definitely the company for you. Tell them Townsend sent you. Let's be honest, I think we could all use somebody to talk to every now and then. Healing Path Counseling in Conway, Arkansas is 100% my go-to when it comes to therapy. Wendy Blackwood has more credentials than letters in the alphabet. She's won awards for her outstanding services and has a whole page of board memberships. Basically, she knows what she's doing. She works hard to help equip you with the tools needed to live your best life. She even offers a variety of services including, but not limited to, cognitive behavioral therapy, technology-assisted counseling, relationship counseling, and EMDR. Trust me, I know therapy can be intimidating at first, but let me assure you, Wendy does her best to make you comfortable and find the best solutions and plans for you. Trust me, don't wait to make the call. Give Wendy Blackwood at Healing Path Counseling a call today. Get started on the best version of you.